Change is inevitable. Everyone shifts. Welcome to a conversation about currently changing human behaviors and how we can either get ahead or fall behind. Hosted by Rick Shaughnessy and Charlie Witkowski, founders of Timecraft. Timecraft helps brands do the right thing today, so they're prepared for tomorrow. Take it away, fellow humans. All right, welcome to Everyone Shifts. Today we have a special international guest. Um, wanted to introduce Max. Uh, Max, do you mind giving everybody just a little background on yourself and on your company? Sure, sure. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Uh, so I'm Max, uh, as we said already, and uh, shortly I am a conversational AI enthusiast. Um, <laughs> let's say that uh, I started as a software engineer after uh, I was studying computer science, and I was doing both um, web design and uh, development uh, because I did enjoy designing things that I developed. Uh, and when you look at my first designs, uh, they're awful, but um, they were kind of like, I was a big fan of that simple design practices to so make everything as simple as possible. And eventually somehow six years ago, I started a company that is um, conversational AI or chapel development company. So we now, uh, it's called Bots Crew, and uh, we help companies around the world uh, to build better communication with their customers at scale by having that nice 24-7 chat or voice uh, personal experience with, uh, with chatbots. Working with different sectors, different types of companies, um, but and solving actually different problems with chatbots, with, which sometimes is a surprise for many people, what chatbots can actually do. So really excited about this podcast, guys. Uh, and again, thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. I think, could you expand? So it's been an interesting, what, couple months for conversational AI, like mm -hmm. more than in recent memory, right? With all the different kind yeah. of innovations. Can you talk a little bit about like where you started with like chatbots and even in the name of your company, you've got like bots crew. Right, yeah. like till conversational sure. AI to now there's like generative AI and like how that's changed how you approach things or the perception of what a chatbot can do and that term itself. I'd just love for you to just expand on that, that cross section of everything, right? Because now. our hypothesis is that, you know, the, the chatbot, the idea, that term has a little baggage attached to it, you know, from mm -hmm. customer service and things like that. Yeah. Definitely. And you're right. I think this is what many people think about when they hear about chatbots as such automation of customer service. And that's it. Um, I think that that's a good question indeed. And uh, I'd say that um, we started from building indeed more of the simple chatbots that uh, are button based, rule based. And this is what we kind of call a typical chatbot that is not that they cannot keep context that much. They cannot maybe understand uh, voice and kind of uh, understand big chunks of text. You give this thing a com some commands, it should be able to understand. You give uh, some uh, kind of conversational tree, if you will, kind of decision tree, and uh, you have that chat interface, chat experience with a chatbot. Uh, and then uh, like conversational AI, as I see it, is is something that uh, that we use in order to make this chat chatbot uh, much more intuitive and much more like a conversation rather than click here and get this. So it can use uh, natural language processing to understand questions that are being asked in different variations, right? So you don't, you don't have to particularly go with this certain flow. You can actually switch the context. You can break it. You can go from one uh, part of the conversation to another. Right. Also, we can analyze uh, big data sets of your current knowledge bases or anything like that. And this conversational AI would be able to find answers within this data set that you didn't specifically kind of create it for it. So we'll automatically uh, create those responses, which is actually what uh, generative AI is doing too. So it's kind of, uh, and I, I think that as you mentioned, Charlie, this, uh, GPT-3 or chat GPT, which now uh, made a big uh, hype. I don't know how to call it, but huh. 
in, a lot of interest around it, even though the GPT-3 was announced in 2020, now it's just another kind of it. And they made a nice uh, chatbot that you can use uh, using that technology. But anyways, it, it, it now can do so many uh, things like creating like random articles uh, you or summarize articles that you view for them. Again, ask questions regarding this specific data set or even uh, uh, kind of, you can say, explain me what is conversational AI if I am a five-year-old. So it can do much more than just a chatbot. So as you were just referencing, it, that kind of technology has been around for a while, but it's got a lot of hype in the last uh, couple months. Does that change or affect like how you've, I know from working with you in the past on projects, there's been like Google natural language processing has been part of what you're doing. Does the chat GPT like change mm -hmm. how you approach things? Does it, mm -hmm. is it just kind of another tool you can use? Like mm -hmm. some people, there's articles, it's like, to your point, there was a great mm -hmm. one of like, it was like a grade school teacher who I was supposed to identify whether the a kid, right. A, you know, a fifth grader wrote this article or whether it was chat GBT. You right. know, there's a lot of those kind of sensational articles yeah. which are fun to get public attention. But mm -hmm. for you, is this really disruptive, iterative, or what does it really mean? Mm -hmm. I'd say it is quite disruptive for us. Okay. Um, but in a sense that we can use it for certain problems that we can solve. So it, it's not that we have to scratch everything that we did in the past and like kind of start from right. uh, from the beginning is just another thing that we now can use in order to speed up the process of conversational AI development and as well as make it kind of cheaper uh, and more advanced so that's uh, in general what, what that means for us so you've got your own stack of your own you know software essentially yeah. And then this is another thing that can slot into it that'll power certain, maybe even certain areas, like you were saying, there's decision tree, there's NLP, yeah, then right. there's some chat. Like you kind of figure out that recipe on the backside depending on the client challenge. Exactly, exactly. So like, again, when you think about it, you just have to understand the problem that we're solving with this uh, conversational interface. And do we have some fit for this generated AR or not? All right, uh, and if you think, for example, customer service, Mm -hmm. mm. So the difference, I'll say, of having what we used before and what we use now is like, imagine that we are hiring a new customer service agent, which will be eventually a chatbot for the company that sells uh, refrigerators, whatever, right? So the old way of building chatbots without that GPT-3 uh, would be this new customer service agent is a person that never had experience with customer service and doesn't have any education at all, not even higher education. So we just show him or her or it, I don't know, uh, the kind of set of questions and synonyms to the questions, right? Otherwise, these questions can be asked and the answer that it should look for when it sees one of these questions, right? And that's it. For any, everything else, it will say, uh, sorry, didn't get that, or like talk to our customer service team. Now with this GPT-3, uh, what changes is that you already hire really smart, highly educated person who worked at different companies before. He knows, or it again, or she mm -hmm. knows much more than we do in general. So we can answer any questions. All you need to do is say, all right, here at our company, refrigerators.com, we answer the questions about order status like this. So we don't uh, answer it like you used to do before. We answer it like this. We look information at these tools, and that's how you get to the answer. And you don't have to even give that uh, GPT-3 any synonyms of how people ask questions about order status, because it already knows that. Like It's a common sense for, 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 for us, right? We know how people can ask uh, about those questions. So that's, so that's kind of the key difference for the sectors like customer service automation. Can, can you talk a little bit about, because what I notice is, is that there's a lot of focus in like customer service for, yeah. for this. Yeah. Is there, what are the other use cases that marketers should be thinking about mm -hmm. that, that are 
because I feel like it's often overlooked and I like that you call it an experience because it is an experience, but I just don't see people, you know, putting this into their suite of problem solves. And and I'm curious about that. Totally. And that's, that's a really good point. Um, Indeed, there is a stereotype still for many people uh, that chatbots, conversational AI, a suitable customer service, that's it, goodbye. But indeed, uh, when you think about it, it's just another user interface that can be used to solve different business problems. And I mean, like, very different. It's like, in the past it was, there is an app for that, and I can say there is a chatbot for that. Could there be a future where, like, chat becomes the default way of operating like out you know like this is a overly simplified version but instead of google you go to you know an ai and you start asking questions because they're Mm -hmm. saying one 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 thing that's interesting about it is also it increases our ability to do research and get the right information right now in a search engine to your point around this friction you have to search go through all these articles manually hope you're finding the thing and everyone knows google only crawls a certain amount of you know, the internet and there's all this stuff that you're not able to access. Do you see something like chat GPT or anything else like that eventually becoming more of the default way we experience digital world? Because it, it is the default way we've, as species, <laughs> like huh. always yeah. worked, right? Like it's actually a lot more familiar to do it that way when it works than like, yeah. remember the old days where you like you'd have a grandparent, you're like, this is what the mouse does. And, you know, you had to right, learn exactly. a whole different artificial interface, yeah, but yeah, now yeah. we're kind of going, I'm just curious how powerful or how big this could get. Yeah. And that's exactly kind of how, how we were thinking about it when we started the company. Oh, no so, kidding. Yeah, yeah. Uh, our you wanted to replace was, Google? You were just, no, we're going to no, take no, down no, Google. Not, no small <laughs> plans from Max. There like we it. go. Not necessarily. Yeah. probably going to ch- change the way we communicate with, with computers uh, to what you mentioned, that's Charlie, a, right? Like, that's a great way yeah. to think about it, right? Yeah. We started from, again, this really complicated computers. You have to have a degree to kind of work with them. Then, to your point, we had the screen, then we had the mouse and the keyboard. Great. Then we have a touch screen, even better, right? And now, the simplest interface you can think about, most intuitive one, is a conversation. You can mm-hmm. just ask a specific question and get the answer right away. So our vision was, and believe was, all right, so that's how the future of our communication with devices, not just computer, but refrigerator as well, uh, or whatever, uh, would work. And now um, I believe that with this latest advancements in AI, we are going there, right? So uh, for example, now I can even tell myself that uh, I'm using that chat GPT for many things uh, that I was using Google for before, right? I am the enthusiast, so I'm kind of deep, sure. deeply involved in that. So that's why I'm doing that for degree. But I see a very clear value for me, like it saves so much time and I don't see that much content uh, that I used to have to see to, to get to the point of uh, the answer, right? Because what I, what I hate a lot with many websites is that there's still, many of them are too complicated, so you enter uh, the website with a very specific question you want to, for example, cancel your bus ticket. And that was a real story. Anyways, so I, w- I was trying to uh, check if I can uh, use that same bus ticket for the bus that goes one hour before, so I can kind of catch another one. So I had the ticket. All I want to do is to check that. I went through the FAQ session. First of all, I entered the website. It was so complicated. It has like 30 items of navigation and then sub menus oh, sure. click here and there right you scroll it lags and then you have to log in with your unique ticket codes to kind of make sure that you're the customer of this um kind of company you go to your personal uh, cabinet you, there is a faq section you don't understand anything like i spent 30 minutes to find an answer and i i was just so pissed um and like, and with this, you don't have to see all of these things. You don't have to scroll, click, navigate. You just ask specific questions that you want to get an answer to, and you get that answer. Like, how we do it now? So, did you miss that bus because you were researching right. so long, and you just ended up on the original one anyway? 
did you miss the bus? You were researching for ah, so long yeah, you had yeah. to catch, so it worked out. That was their strategy. Yeah, yeah. Actually, actually, I was really angry. And what I did, I just went there. It was another uh, one-hour drive for me from the place that I was to mm-hmm. that bus station. And because I checked, I, I could find on the website that there are like 50% of the places are free. So they're not booked. Mm. So I came there, I explained it to the driver, and he said, all right, let's go. You talked to a person, you, you had yeah. a conversation. Yeah. You actually exactly. had a conversation exactly. with, with, a, with, with, with a, you had a conversation though, that's exactly. the thing. So what do you, what have you found is the biggest obstacle for clients or people who have the desire, or, or let's let's have an actual scenario. Like you're a big company right now. Yeah. You're thinking of redoing yeah. your digital presence or at least your website. And and we've seen this from different clients where they're like, someone comes in and you're just like, well, we're going to redo all of our websites. Like it's a default kind of I'm a chief digital officer move, I, right? I, I'm going to make a scrolling thing with right. nine pages <laughs> of, of, of IA and that's it. Do you, So do you think there's an opportunity to kind of rethink how that actually works with these kind of new technologies. To your point, like whether you're a company or a government, we've all been to like, I don't know from your government side, but from the US government, you go to any federal website and it's exactly like you described with the bus. You're just like, oh my God. Let's face it, (laughs) institutions are laggards in their adoption of modern digital technology. But there's a billion click you know, scroll downs, it's organization is all over the place. It's probably been built over 10 years by yeah, 10 different, giant nav, design, you know, a nav nightmare. So it doesn't have much of a point of view. Thinking about the potential of this, if you were going to approach a client who's rethinking their digital presence, like how would you kind of approach that? Or what, where do you think the role, could this be a central role? Is it mandatory? To your point, this is clearly when it works, a better way to do it. But wh- how do you start fresh knowing all of this technology that exists? Mm-hmm. So again, my thinking is that it should be definitely a big part of designing your user journey or customer journey That's... for any new website, right? So when you enter the website, I believe today, if you don't have at least that chat bubble or like live chat, whatever, in that corner and your competitor has it, like 100% for me, you will not be chosen as that, uh, as the provider of the services or whatever you do as a business, because that user was able to and to ask specific questions or find information they were looking for much quicker. And people are lazy these days, uh, like even more lazy than, uh, than we are, right? Especially in Gen Z, I think that Man, they want everything now. And uh, I think if you don't have that uh, capability to provide them with that answers right away, you're just wasting their time. They get bored and they go to your competitor. So I believe that uh, it should be definitely one of the top priorities for any person that wants to recreate the website, make a new website, uh, whatever. Uh, At some point, actually, we as the business, we want to try this very kind of new approach where we want to change our first page of, of the website completely to just a chat interface, right? So yeah, that's, still, that, that's yeah, what have we're you, getting at. That's yeah, have you, uh, do you have clients who are interested in that? Do you have an offering? Or, or, or I guess another way is like, I love that idea. So but do does I. it terrify traditional design? Like when you bring that to a client, it obviously depends on the client's appetite for doing right. things differently. But like, is that a revolutionary idea to people? Like, well, how, what will people, how will they know how to navigate it? You know, like, is it, how, how does that kind of feel? Cause that makes sense to me, but like, how does that usually go over when you're talking yeah, we, to clients? We, we've all been asked to look at first at a navigational bar, then a top right corner hamburger. Then now just to talk or just to type in a question that's, I mean, it makes total sense to us, but I just don't know if some of our clients will ever understand that. Most of our customers are these bigger enterprises, and they're quite skeptical, I'd say, at this point. They're too, not scared, but maybe, I'll say, not ready for it, let's say. Uh, so the thing that worked for some of our customers, and we did that with some of our customers, were typically more of the uh, startup type of businesses. For example, we opened this, we had a case of creating 
first in the world law firm without lawyers. Uh, so you would enter the office, uh, which would be a lawyer's office. There are no people there, just this assistant who kind of shows you the right computers to sit at, right? And you you open this website, and the only thing there is there is the chatbot, and you kind of start asking these legal questions or generating legal documents. It would actually generate legal documents for you and print that out with a printer, right? And they had this half of their website was the chatbot, right? So they made it in this way. That was their approach. So it was quite innovative, but it worked well for them. Uh, they got a lot of interest from the public and from the, uh, like in terms of PR, mm -hmm. of course. So that's really in innovative and um, kind of totally new approach to how things work. So I think that at this point, not many companies are ready for it. Um, and we would love to make more companies uh, <laughs> kind of understand it. So that's that's what yeah. we are doing and trying to. So, so for a while, it'll likely be like any transition, more of a hybrid kind of approach. Yeah, so you're not right. just throwing people who are who prefer the traditional navigation or are uncomfortable. You're, give, you're or don't giving them trust. a choice, right? Yeah. Here's here's yeah. traditional navigation. Here's chat. Exactly. All right. So we've talked a lot about all the successful use cases. Um, mm. There was a big article recently mm. about the disaster, the financial disaster that is uh, Alexa. And I thought I, I, you know, I have my own thoughts as to why this use case seems to not work the way that they had intended. But I'd love your kind of just raw thinking around why that use case has been so challenging. Mm. Um, you know, what maybe went wrong or is there something to salvage there? I just love your like informed opinion on that since it's been such a <laughs> right. media spectacle <laughs> for the mm. last couple of weeks. Sure, sure. So, like in general, I'll say that still Alexa is is doing quite good, uh, say in terms of uh, what, what they're doing with um, like Amazon Alexa devices and usage since they're the biggest one still in the market in, in voice assistant space. But I think uh, I understand what you mean when you say what, why it didn't work uh, for the company in general and uh, for, for the users. Um, it's also would be my opinion. It's not something that is kind of proven uh, or whatever, but I think when we were, because we were developing some of the Alexa skills for customers, and sure, we were seeing right. how, people are, how people are using it, uh, using them. So the key problems are that just they're not that easy to use for the customers. So when you look at the most common skills that people are using with Alexa, they're really simple skills, like turn on the music, right. uh, what's the weather, uh, whatever, right? So really basic stuff that Alexa has built in. And in order to open specific skill, they had to, hey, Alexa, open uh, whatever, uh, bot screw skill and ask it to do this and that. Right, so people first of all have to remember the name of the skills, right, and uh, with the understanding rate, like the NLU natural language understanding of Alexa, at least at that point, I think now they're not that ready for being able to be one hundred percent correct all the time, uh, and sometimes it was just sort of didn't get that, or they were doing something else, and eventually people get pissed quite quickly. They ask to sure. do specific tasks with the voice and it just doesn't work. People get kind of uh, disappointed and never use it again, only use it for this simple thing that they know it worked with, right? Uh, privacy concerns, some people think that maybe it's always listening to us, so I don't want to have the device in my, in my home, um, right? And um, I think that those would be the, the key challenges uh, for the users to actually buy and use it day to day, right? Uh, and now there are so many other uh, assistants that you can use. You can use uh, it on your iPhone or you can use it on your Google, uh, like Android device, just Google Assistant, etc. So I think that it just, they did not do a good job of designing the user experience uh, and they got a lot of frustration right away because of that. So I do believe that at some point it will be uh, a day-to-day -day feature people can use, but it should be much simpler than that. It, can, it should be, I just say, hey, Alexa, 
turn on the TV or hey Alexa, do this and that without having to mention specific skills or remember specific commands I can or cannot use with this specific skill, uh, etc. Right. So. So you you do see voice you do see voice you know becoming the 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 interface. Yeah, definitely see. I definitely see voice coming as the interface. Since again, the understanding rates are becoming much better, both in terms of speech to text recognition, so understanding the speech, um, regardless of the noises, because when you use Alexa and you're kind of cooking something, Alexa cannot hear it because of the noise of the Eric and. And it's getting much better. And of course, this uh, next language understanding with uh, GPT-3, for example, it also gets much better. So when you combine the two and you kind of create a product that is using this newest technologies, let's say, is definitely there. And I think you just have to start small from specific, again, use cases, for example, use it inside the car, uh, right, as this system, I think. People are using that inside the cars already. Uh, I use my Siri, for example, when I'm also driving and want to call someone or I want to do something else uh, quite easily. So let's start from this small things, specific problems you can solve with voice uh, to have that hands-free experience and then grow and grow. I wonder, this is a standard thing that product marketing often does with all these new technologies. But to me, I almost get a sense that when Siri first came out and Alexa first came out, we had this kind of dream based maybe on sci-fi and, you know, future technologies or how, you know, all these different movies where you've got these assistants that really you could ask, like where we're actually headed now with GPT and on right. all that stuff. Like you can use natural language, they'll understand it and come back. Like that was always kind of in our head. And then when we started using, especially early days, these tools were just like, this is just a frustrating experience. So I, I'm curious, that seems to me like there's a lot of built-in like fri perception of friction from a customer side, which is why a, a, a chief digital person wouldn't necessarily say, let's go all conversational because you've got that idea in your head. It's like, well, I don't use Siri that much or I use Alexa yeah, to yeah. check the weather. But the reality, which you're getting at is this is, changing pretty quickly, especially with these new platforms. Yeah. So yeah. Alexa could be a lot more useful for a lot of different things. Oh, shoot, we just triggered the we Alexa. We just triggered here. Alexa here at the, uh, <laughs> in the studio. Um, <laughs> that was great. There you go. Um, but uh, but yeah, th so there's, there's an actual change happening now where when the cognition gets good enough that we don't have to worry about those, those scripts and those... Yeah. Uh, those what's what's the term for the um the programs you were just referencing on Alexa? Skills. Skills. Skills, yeah. right. Like well special skills and all that because yeah. versus a website, my problem with it always is I don't have the memory to remember to keep all of that in the top of my head. Mm -hmm. Versus if mm -hmm. I look at a website, the prompts you know, are there right well, in front the, of you and it it cues you the, up for it. What I notice about Alexa in today's in its current form, which is going to change, as you said, is it's you basically have to give it an audio navigation path yeah. to get to get to your stuff. You have yeah. to give it the yeah. nav path, and so yeah. you're right. Without a, without a visual prompt, you're not going to do it. And it, but I would also yeah. say, I you know until it becomes more like right now, people have gotten into weather, like you said, Max. It's, there's some rituals that they do every day that they've replaced yeah. with Alexa. Until yeah. you find other places where there can be ritual that you can replace it with, it just it's yeah. it, that that's just a tougher call for it. It's going to take some time. Do you think, you know, obviously if they're open AI, their first big kind of breakthrough success, which I think helps drive the GPT conversation, was Dolly and all the generative mm -hmm. visual side, and and I'm sure you're familiar with Unreal's like MetaHuman and all that different render you know Rendering. game engine technology. Do you feel like they'll be any sort of, right now it's mostly kind of interface-based, you know, there's not a literal face behind it. Do you think, how will this change, or do you guys see any path or working on any sort of, like, avatar-based or, you know, vi the visual side of it as well as just the functional, right. you know, the, the conversational yeah. side? Definitely. Uh, so I think that first thing that we have to solve in order to make this whole 
conversational experience work is to make sure we are good with chat specifically, right? So if we handle chat well, if we understand the context, if we answer questions correctly, if people understand how to use it, right? And they are willing to use it, they are they they trust chat, but they don't think that this is just a mine, this is a chatbot, I will go directly to platform service or right there. Right. So that's the first step I think we have to solve uh, uh, kind of within our industry in order to then to move to voice and as well as use more of that um, kind of visual representation. But I'll say now today we are using uh, some sort of visual representation of our uh, conversational line projects in order to increase that like, trust as well as engagement, right? So not necessarily it is uh, very complicated uh, animations whatsoever, but even simpler representation that kind of shows uh, the end user uh, a bit better of what type of person or what type of child this, this humanizing, is. Humanizing, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. humanizing, exactly. Like what would they do for the city of Chicago together? Right. Uh, I think that, yeah, just bring that totally new experience and emotion to the conversation that then will kind of uh, lead the user to much better uh, experience since kind of not just I see this uh, robotic answers, but it actually has its own humor, tone of voice, and right. feel, right? So it's kind of different. It makes it different. Uh, and like for some of the projects that we did, for example, we did a project for Honda, and we did use a bit more sophisticated animation there. The concept there was to have uh, the car that sells itself. So they were launching this new Honda HRV, uh, and they wanted to show that it's really progressive. Um, and when you would go to the website uh, of this specific Honda model, instead of the typical website, you have this car that is kind of really realistic kind of car uh, that kind of moves, can wink with their uh, kind of lights, whatever, open the doors, do all sorts of stuff. Uh, you can also kind of look at it from different sides. And it's done also from the practical point that person before buying the car can look sure. at it digitally from all the points. And then you can actually talk with this car. Uh, it has its own personality to kind of jokes it tells. Uh, the Australian voice uh, and kind of the accent, uh, since we run that for Australian market, which is also huh. kind of some sort of interesting, of course, for, for, for that region. Yeah. Uh, so I think, yes, you, you can bring that totally different emotion to the conversation by using uh, visuals as well as uh, the tone of voice that you use for. Or what's kind of the state of, I know this is kind of the next level stuff, but like detecting emotion and things like that. Is there anything going, like when it's kind of reading between the lines, is there any progress on that front as far as tone and things, picking it up from the user side? Uh, actually, actually, yeah. So like um, we, we even have projects where we uh, specifically use that. So when we see that the user is, uh, becomes angry, we escalate that to customer service agent right away. Is that picking up like, swears or is that? Yeah. <laughs> Trigger words. Yeah so, yeah, so like what it does, kind of, it, there are a couple of key things that it will notice. First of all, that is the, the sentiment analysis by uh, Google or okay. by OpenAI as well. So they have the built in already, you can understand it. Also, you can kind of slightly customize that to your needs when you, whatever, see specific even emojis that people can use, or uh, they do a lot of the caps, or they do a lot of the kind of- Right, caps, uh, right. Signs here and there, right? So uh, yeah, like five questions mark instead of one, right? So like, it means that they're angry. So yes, I'd say that definitely the progress is there and it's already quite practical. And it's actually both in text uh, that you can use. And I just uh, described as well with voice. So even by the tone of voice, the person is talking with a virtual assistant, you can understand like the high, like how, if that's a normal conversation or a bit stressed out conversation, right? So like uh, the progress is definitely there and we, we already use it practically on, on the projects and we see uh, clear, clear uh, results where we get less frustrations 
with uh, this automated experiences by being able to understand that tone of voice and that uh, sentiment earlier before the customer either drops from the conversation or kind of escalated to the customer service themselves. Gotcha. Yeah. Do you, I'm curious from a client perspective when it comes to chat GPT and getting into kind of these more uh, like, you know, these broader ranges of covering larger topics. Like, is there a way to manage like risk or perceived risk? I guess what I'm saying is like <laughs> ChatGPT now, right? If you go in and you say, write me an essay about whatever, there's no accountability or anything around what it says, which is fine because yeah. most people are using it just kind of experimentally. But if you're a client and say you want it to help with a broader set of things, we know, and I think, you actually brought this up at one point, I believe, Max, which was like, there's track records of AIs who've been given to, you know, chat AI who have given too broad of a kind of remit and within a certain amount of time, they're, you know, insulting. They Hot, learn the wrong they're things. They're hostile, yeah. Yeah, or they were telling, there's one that was like telling people to kill themselves. Mm. Like, yeah. you know, like it doesn't know what it's doing, obviously, but yeah. like, how do you kind of balance that breadth of the technology without a client being like, well, you know, a couple things go wrong and all of a sudden, you know, I, my company is saying this to a kid or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm curious yeah. how you balance that that risk mm -hmm. and reward. Mm -hmm. So two things that I'd like to mention here. First of all, um, for use cases like that and, and businesses like that, for example, we work with healthcare and you don't want to create a chatbot, chat interface that is kind of a black box for us uh, in that space, of course. Like, that's why specifically for this type of use cases, we use more of the uh, decision tree based plus right. understanding natural language purely on the data set that we provided this chatbot with. So we don't use any external- so zero risk. Control. Yeah. yeah. Zero risk at all. Sometimes we even, do not let users type because sometimes that will, they would type some adverse events and in case of wrong understanding it will be a disaster right, right. so like for some of this cases, we even control the whole thing with the conversation tree so that's kind of first thing that i have to mention is that again generative AI like gpt3 can only be used with certain use cases uh, and now the other way when you think about other risk yeah, like I mentioned, it can occasionally generate incorrect email information, not just you kind know, of uh, harmful, but as well incorrect, just randomly right. some answers from its own knowledge base. So, in, first of all, with GPT 3.5, which is this new mm -hmm. uh, version of GPT that is connected to Chat GPT, it they added this layer of uh, harmful content, right? Uh, managing where it's much safer than the previous version. So if you had a chance to test it now, uh, they even provide this comparisons where before you would ask GPT-3, give me some ideas of how to bully a person. And GPT-3 would say, here are some of the ideas how to bully a person, great, thank you so much. Right? And now here, if you would ask that GPT-3.5, uh, like a chat GPT, you, you would get it's not good to bully a person, so I'll, I'll not write that to you. So, yeah. so who's deciding yeah, who gets that call? That bullying is bad. No, who's <laughs> deciding? So, uh, so at a certain point, that's interesting because at the platform level, someone's deciding from OpenAI or whatever that there are certain yeah. kind of topics we don't want to yeah. enable. Mm -hmm. That's kind of fascinating because that it does. I'm, I'm, I'm obviously anti-bullying, but it does introduce a kind of certain <laughs> level of censorship. Like already into that. Um, I, I kind don't of service, think we're which, going to get away from a technical overlord. Do you see, interesting, do you see any use cases? Um, there's been a lot of conversation recently around the future of work being hybrid, human, machine, you know, different levels, obviously, depending on what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Do you see that? Like, I'm thinking more almost in the B2B sense. Um, mm -hmm. Do you see any use cases for companies that? you know, maybe have a lot, like big companies, a lot of information, um, places where just employees just to do their jobs can benefit from this. Because a lot of the use cases we talk about, you know, our customers, you know, right. the consumer kind of end. 
But I also wonder in the context of we're saying like better than search, better than, you know, these companies have these vast uh, platforms and different internal websites. Like, have you mm -hmm. seen any use cases or built any or see any potential there for, for the more of the B2B or inter even like or even employee? Side? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. 100% yes, 100% uh, yes. And like uh, like you mentioned, for these big enterprises, uh, they have a lot of like, they have a lot of repetitive processes for each employees, starting from onboarding the employee or even qualification of the candidate to onboarding education, then uh, answering some policy questions, HR questions, whatever, right? And so many others. So uh, again, when you think about using conversational AI, just think about the most common repetitive conversations that you're having today. For example, mm. uh, again, real, real use case. We have this uh, huge enterprise that had a problem of, uh, first of all, big turnaround of people in uh, one of their departments, right? And it took them eight weeks to educate these people to do their jobs. Right, so you hire a person. They, they, you have you have a lot of other people involved to educate the person right. to answer their questions right there and there, and then like they will quit. Right, so instead of that eight weeks program and involvement of six different people, you have Slack chatbot that kind of is your guide through this uh, onboarding process. You can first of all get whatever first chapter. This is where you can find our policies. This is where you can find the specific information about the specific product. Ask me anything. You ask questions, and people are satisfied with, with that answers. And are, you know, after that, you would even give them a test to understand understand their readiness to actually work in real life uh, and complete complete that onboarding process. So definitely yes, and, and with this um, now GPT-3 or GPT-3.5, what is even uh, more exciting is that it's very easy to get started. You didn't have to, like before we had to analyze this knowledge base that they had, the processes, et cetera, and only after that we would build the proof of concept that can answer this specific narrow uh, amount of questions. Now with ability to analyze a big, big uh, data sets of text in the knowledge bases, internal, like intranets right. of the companies, you can just plug that in relatively quickly. And this thing will be able to provide it with a direct answer right away and even provide you with the link to that source of information just in case, right, uh, at the beginning to check that. And then, of course, you would uh, improve that over time. All right. So before we wrap up, I wanted to throw a couple audiences in front of you. Yeah, these are good. And see where you think that person has the, you know, maybe the best opportunity to, uh, you know, for conversational AI to, to play a role for them, all right? All right, so number one, a blue collar millennial mom named Dottie. <laughs> for a mom, all right, let me think. I think that uh, for a mom, what would be uh, quite useful Yes, actually, Alexa type of uh, products where you can think about uh, working with the like for any parents uh, working with the shopping lists and uh, like having voice assistant adding adding uh, items to your shopping list through Alexa or Google Home whenever and even uh, guide you through some. Recipes you can build with the you you can cook with the uh, with the items from the shopping list that you generated with that with that tool, right? That kind of, actually that again was one of the products that we built with Samsung was nice. the yeah was the shopping list for Alexa Google Home uh, plus recipe builder. So you kind of add things on your shopping list and then you ask Alexa, uh, what can I cook with things that I just bought? And it will give you a couple of ideas of what to cook, right? And then it will guide you through that recipe. So it will find the recipe for the meal. Uh, and it will say, for example, you can cook lasagna. It will say, take uh, noodles, whatever, cook it for 10 minutes, whatever, right? So this kind of stuff, step by step. So I think that would be uh, 
apparent type of use case, uh, everyday type of use case. How about a surgeon? How about the surgeon? So the the surgeon, like also the use case that we made a proof of concept uh, for what the uh, use case where it was actually more to the radiologists, where as the radiologist, I am looking at the x-rays right. of like what happened, right? And I'm describing what I see there and what should be the next steps. And typically in the hospital, you would have that uh, doctor reviewing it and the assistant writing them down. So I see that there is a small crack here, the size of it is two centimeters, whatever. So instead of having that um, person doing manual job, pretty much filling in the form, uh, you would just voice that, like speak that out loud, and this tool would record it and then input that into your system and uh, automatically. That's, I think, would be the use case there. How about a senior citizen in a retirement home? Oh, yeah. Also, actually, somehow we actually also have the project for that. <laughs> So it, it was not set up. So for audience who, who is listening, it was not set up. And so uh, and the use case that we had for senior for seniors there was uh, in the retirement homes in Canada. Uh, one of the problems that they ran into are the loneliness of seniors. So their children or grandchildren do not visit them that much to have this conversation. So they feel lonely. So what we, what we kind of created for them was this uh, app that has just one button and kind of is, that is kind of speak. We made it really simple, and you start speaking, and it's kind of engages with you in the conversation uh, with empathy and with some kind of ideas of what to do if you feel bored or like whatever if you didn't talk uh, a lot with with your parent with your parents, and then at we are really sensitive about this. We don't want to give too many advices in if we see that the problem is real, right? So we, at some point, would connect the volunteer to the thing. There you go. And, right. So we see that there is a problem, and uh, it would just say, "Hey, we have this senior uh, asking this specific questions," and volunteer would type the answer back, and the answer would be, again, a voice answer that the senior can hear. So that would be kind of a use case there. All right. Mm -hmm. How about a high school senior? High school senior. So uh, also, nice. <laughs> yes, this is not a rig setup. I, I know. Jesus. What, who haven't you? Yeah. Whoever you work for. Help. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> so for the high school uh, person, like the thing that we built was, was the conversational assistant helping you to better understand um, what university or college to enter, right? Based on your skills. So we do nice. kind of, first of all, you would enter this conversation, ask specific questions, like how do I choose whatever? In general, I, I'm so anxious about this. Uh, and then the assistant will, would help you to narrow down some options for you pretty much qualify you for a specific uh, college or university based on your skill set. And after that, uh, you can then ask specific questions of how to get uh, accepted into that, like what documents are needed, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that will be more of the personal assistant for entering colleges for uh, high school uh, seniors. That's cool. They're all kind of right. moving towards like very specifically built assistants who have are, are good at doing things that are generally painful or have a lot of friction, yeah, right? right? Like, so I like the retirement home one too because it's just like there are probably like I'm sure you got this like certain things, small level things that are could make a big difference for a person who's lonely and looking for something to do. But sure, also yeah. like you said, managing that like. You know, if there's actually and knowing when to elevate, that, yeah, you know, yeah, those that's kinds really, of things. That's are, really important yeah. to be able to make that handoff. Yeah. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah. I guess um, one final question from our side um, is for for clients, for people who are, you know, working in the digital side of their business on the experience side. Like, 
is there any recommended way you would give them to get, you know, for them to get started or to learn more besides obviously talking to you would be right. a good, good one, but like, yeah, just, that would be the best. <laughs> <laughs> but generally speaking, like, is everybody really ready for this yeah. at a different level? And they just jump in differently. Cause it seems like that's my takeaway is like any industry, any digit, anybody sure. with a digital presence, could benefit from some application, mm -hmm. but how do they mm -hmm. narrow that? It's such yeah, a, so such a transformational. Like, how do they narrow that into a place where they get started? I would, I would look for, again look at your data, look at your bottlenecks, and find where conversational interface can be the one that can solve it uh, in the best possible way. Well, I think that's great. We can yeah. also just flash or call Max, and we'll put like yeah. a, the number yeah. on the screen, like a. Better call Saul or something. Right, it's exactly. Plus three eight zero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. Most Americans probably don't know how to dial yeah, internationally. To... Maybe we'll put like a WhatsApp up there. Yeah, we'll have to do that. <laughs> um, but no, this was great. We got to learn something today too, which I love. Thanks. And it seems like there's pretty, you know, low risk ways to get your foot in the door. Start figuring out for any company, you know, right. here's a here's a place we can start optimizing around and then kind of build it out from there. Versus, yeah. you know, I still hope one day our whole websites are just me talking to like a different uh, avatar yeah, of exactly. the company. That's what but, I'm hoping for. But um, until then, we'll figure out kind of those hybrid ways or different, like you said, bottlenecks and things that you can kind of sort yeah. through with this. We're, we're all on a journey. This is the hybrid journey yeah. start. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on and for yeah, all the insights. For and uh, yeah. we'll post thank some, you. yeah, we'll post a little bit. Oh, a little more background and links to to bots crew and everything yeah. so they can see all the cool uh work you guys redid your website not long ago right i think so it, it was a while ago but we will redo it again with what i told you guys so with the first screen yeah just that interface and yeah that's I love that. super cool all right all right well enjoy your evening yes good night max be safe <laughs> yeah all right thank you so much guys take care Great pleasure to talk to you